Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. How are you doing? It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yes, oh. I, I was a young man when we started this. <laughs> now I'm an old toothless crone. <laughs> I heard. Um, you can't say the letter F, apparently. Is that right? Uh, it's going to be difficult. It's not impossible, <laughs> but it's... Uh, it, 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 what it usually means, it leads, especially a word like, uh, I'm going to say it, fish leads to a tsunami of spit. <laughs> it's a good job we're not doing the series Folly Foot, then. It's a good job we're not on video, that's all I can say. That's, uh, yeah. it, it, it's, uh, I, I'm, I, I lay a gap-tooth pirate at the moment, it'd be very strange. My, 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 my bones are all, well, my bones are all turning to powder and, I, and basically my teeth have decided to, to vanish all of a sudden. It's an age thing, young that man. And me an episode of Blake Seven, didn't all everyone's brain went powdery? What was that? No body. Don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Shut up, Andy. Right. Hello. Oh, if only it were merely a merely an episode of Blake Seven. I tell you one thing about Blake Seven. Strangely enough, before before we get yeah. carried away, is I uh, what who I have been watching a lot of is Gareth Thomas recently. Gareth Thomas has been turning up in an awful lot of the things I've been watching, mm. and I forget how prolific before Blake Seven how he was in everything, and then after Blake Seven. Not so much. Typecasting, darling. Mm. So it's we've just said that it's been a long time, but for the dear listeners, mm. they were listening to us just a few weeks ago when we um, did what episode what was it? Oh yes, it was Harry's, Harry's game. game. Harry's game. It was it was Harry's game. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously. Uh, Catch yourself on. <laughs> With with, uh, with, our, with our tardy editing uh, process and recording uh, system, it could be months until Letter I comes. <laughs> Rude. Um, However, we are doing the Letter I this week. We are doing the Letter I. We've got the Inspector, and I always have thought it was the Inspector Elaine Mysteries, but it's not. It's Ooh. Inspector Allen, isn't it? Well, I, it, they're actually Allen Mysteries. I think this whole pull, calling it a Letter I is a bit, a bit of a stretch. However, it is known as the Inspector Allen Mysteries around the world, so we're having it. We're having it, mate. But it really is Alan Mysteries just. Yes, I saw that from the opening credits. Gosh. Yeah, so what cheats we are. However, if you order the box set, you have to order the Inspector Alan Mysteries. And I think the Americans tended to, you know, when it, when it was broadcast on whatever it was, Heritage Channel or whatever they called it. <laughs> you know, uh, I think they, they also called it the Inspector. I, I suspect, I suspect... Uh, Inspector Alan is basically, let's try and do Inspector Morse and put it in the same boat and stick it in the same box and all that kind of thing. So I think it was, it, it sort of got tarred with that Inspector Morse project. And Inspector Morse has got a lot to answer for in terms of crime drama, but okay. we could move on to that later. Can, can I go back to something very practical, which is the actual mm. box sets? So now mm. I own two copies of the Inspector Allen Mysteries. <laughs> the Allen <laughs> Mysteries. So my first box, which I've had for many years and had never opened the cellophane on, when mm -hmm. I opened it to watch the first episode we chose to watch, which was the pilot, Artists mm. in Crime, mm. I discovered it wasn't actually in there <laughs> because it was a version without the pilot. Right. So, hooray, not. And also, one of the discs broke in my hands as I tried to lift it out of the case. Uh, so I don't know which one is missing. And, of course, they don't helpfully say what's on each disc. So no. that's, that's good. I don't know who put the package together. It's, yes. But it's not the most helpful of packages. Well, well now, you see, I've got... Let me read from the back of the uh, Allen Mysteries that I've got. Mm. The slimmer bearded Inspector Allen is in creative van der Beromde, New Zealand, a detective shift in Marsh. So I've got the... 
I've got the Dutch version now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, well, mine. I have a. I have a. Uh, I have a British BBC version, yeah. which I got. I, I. I got set in Anne, which does includes the pilot episode. It says well, underneath the. Well, this one. Th- this one does as well. My Dutch version has it. Mm. Yes, but it but also it, but pa- it also apparently includes. Um, it stars William Simmons, according to the packaging yeah. as well, which is wrong. Ah, oh. now yeah. it's the yes. I, I again, we were going to come on to this, but the pilot episode. <laughs> the pilot episode has a different Alan in it, doesn't it? Yes, but before, the interesting before thing, we get there, before... No, I just, what I wanted to do... Tell though, me. You know, when you think about casting, Simon Williams and William Simons. Oh, what a leap. Oh, gosh, what a leap. yes, I hadn't thought about that. How funny. Maybe I mean, they... it's like the casting director sort of said, oh, I, I've, I've got it. Oh, I've, oh, I've put the, fir- the first name, second and the second name. Oh, hold on. Oh, that's somebody else. Oh, we'll have him as well. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were both invited and there was some sort of cock-up, so they both got parts. <laughs> yes. But can I just also say about the terrible, mm. terrible box set cover art? Um, OK. At least on the back of the original BBC one I had, it has, um, on the back, it's got Agatha mm. Troy. But mm. the Dutch one has mm. a collection of the most dull-looking men on the front of it, including William Simons and Patrick mm. Malahide and someone else mm. in a hat. It looks like mm. the greyest, most male, mm. boring programme ever. And on the mm. back, it's got six pictures of men. Again, no mm. Agatha Troy. So mm. the Protect Agatha Troy Society starts here. <laughs> I think it is fascinating the um, when you actually try and uh, research and, and dig out photographs from the Allen Mysteries. The, the main photograph... Uh, that seems to pop up a lot is actually um, Patrick Malahide with Francis Barber. <laughs> oh, really? It's just it's just that what one uh, character from one episode, but it, for some reason there's not a lot of visual material <laughs> about. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, it's just it, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I suppose I should do our traditional reading the back of the DVD box yeah, set. If I'll you have can to read do, from if mine, you can do your version rather than my Dutch version. Well, it's it's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Although mine might just sound. More Dutch. Anyway, we'll, we'll give it a whirl. From the golden age of the British mystery yeah, comes a hard-working Scotland Yard detective whose breeding and bearing give him unique access to the fashionable world in which these stories are set. New Zealand writer Nio Marsh, possibly. No, that's right. It is Nio, I checked. Nio, right. It created elegant crime puzzlers full of quirky characters with hidden agendas all brought meticulously to life in this series. The keen intelligence and subtle persistence, that's subtle, I can't say either, subtle persistence of Chief Inspector Allen are complemented by the insight of his independent lady friend, artist Agatha Troy, and the loyalty of his partner, Detective Inspector Fox. This, no, we don't need this five set, but but it's uh, basically starring Patrick Malahide, Belinda Lang, William Simons, Simon Williams, (laughs) written by Barbara Machin, Alfred Shaughnessy, uh, Hugh Leonard, Ken Jones, T.R. Bowen, Kevin LaFan and Cyril Williams. I felt a, a slight sort of diminishing in, the, in, in profile of the writers as yeah. you went through that list. Produced so, by George Galliaco. No. Galliaccio. Galliaccio. Galliaccio, surely. Galliaccio. Galliaccio. Like, like nice I've got friend. something to say now. That oh, was excellent. the back cover that I had of my original BBC one, which oh. did not have the pilot on it. So I'm even more confused now. Um, So it should have been in there. Gosh. I just saw you coming, Mike. It wasn't there. Maybe mine was earlier. It was slightly different, yours. Slightly different Mm. wording, but mainly the same plagiarism. Mm. Gosh. So, first question for you. Had Mm -hmm. you ever 
heard, watched, seen the Alan mysteries before? No. Oh, gosh. Um, I hadn't. Uh, they, they, it's one of those things. I watch. We watch a lot of crime drama. For some reason, there's a period of crime drama. It's a bit like those Roy Marsden ones as well. They kind of passed me by. Maybe. I mean, there was a whole sort of raft of. I don't know. Maybe I just was doing more interesting things on Sunday evenings or something. I literally don't know. But no, these these passed me by. No, in a way that, interestingly enough, I because I, I did see Campion. Maybe I saw Campion because Peter Davison. I don't know. But uh, no, I actually had not seen. The Alan Mysteries before uh, we decided to watch it for this. Right, so I had seen Artists in Crime in 1990, ah, right. um, 23rd of December when that went out, um, mm -hmm. but I didn't see any of the series because I was at uni and wasn't really mm. into watching TV. Well, it was three years later. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, um, so this, the episode that we chose from the Patrick Malahide era, well, all the rest mm. of it, I had mm. not seen any of that before, mm. but I just felt it looked dull because he looks dull <laughs> compared to Simon Williams. Simon Williams is more charismatic looking, mm. but we'll come back to... It is to... interesting, isn't it? Yeah. They make a pilot, uh, or they make a one-off film, mm. presumably, and then three years later they resurrect the idea, probably because Morse is doing so well on the other side. Mm, I think what we need is a good one-hour, 40-minute crime drama. Mm. Uh, and, uh, oh... Uh, Simon Williams is unavailable, but the rest of the cast are. So actually, Belinda Lang, who plays Agatha Troy, basically yeah. wakes up one day and he's regenerated. Yes. <laughs> and there's no comment whatsoever. His hair's all gone. No, yes. no, no, that's not fair. That's not fair. Because <laughs> he's quite dashing. I mean, in the pilot, they actually refer to him as being quite dashing and looks like a leader of men. He and I'm is. not quite sure... I know uh, Patrick Malahide had done The Singing Detective and I know he was... You know, he played a de uh, well. He played. Uh, he, he, what did he play in the, in the singing detective? He, I thought he actually played. He was one of the characters he was supposed to be playing was a was a, a spy, wasn't he? But he was. So it was kind of like a, you know, a, a, a sort of uh, upstanding citizen, if you like, but also a bad a bad one, a wrong one. All I remember yeah. about Patrick Malahide and the singing detective is his bottom. Is his bottom. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whenever I think of Patrick Malahide, I think of his bottom first. Is that wrong? Well, there's a re there is a reasonable bottom count in the pilot of... <laughs> oh, of Artists in Crime, there of was Alan actually Wilson. as well. It's not why I chose it, but... <laughs> yes. So, um, we'll talk about the relative um, performances of Simon mm. Williams and Patrick Malahide as we progress. Mm. But... Um, have we got a, a, a quick synopsis of Artists in Crime and of... Um, I've got one. Shall I go for it? Oh, yes. Why so, not? the first one. Artists in Crime, the pilot. After an artist model dies in a suspicious incident, the aristocratic Detective Chief Inspector Allen... Is he aristocratic? And is down to earth Assistant Inspector Fox, Fox investigate. Matters get complicated with a house full of suspects, blackmail, another death, and Alan's growing attraction to the painter Agatha Troy. Mm. Well, yes, I would say he is aristocratic because they keep referring to his mother as her ladyship. So. Yes, and, and we have the Ursula Howells klaxon. Yes, Ursula. We love a bit of Ursula. So we had her in Cousin Bet. We had her in... Mm. What else did we have her in? Um, oh, she she was in. Um, oh God, what, what was that other series we talked about? Oh, Barchester. Barchester. <laughs> and of course, in uh, Miss Marple. So. She was, and I think that's why she's here. She's here in this um, because of Miss Marple. So the producer of Miss Marple was George mm -hmm. Galacio. Mm -hmm. So that's 
this was his second big crime drama and it's therefore why a load of the cast are familiar from old Marples. I was, when I, I rewatched the pilot again, I've seen it three times now, it's so unmemorable, I, I can never remember what happened. <laughs> um, but the third time I watched it this morning, I, I was thinking, you know, the thing about this is, when yes. you, it's, it's a few years after Miss Marple has mm-hmm. finished on the BBC, and I think they're trying the same vibe, and for some reason it just doesn't feel as memorable as iconic it just sort of is there i know i felt that it's weird now it's written by tr bowen Mm. who was an actor as well wasn't he um i have a feeling he was in the cleopatras for a brief moment which is weird um and then the director is silvio narizano brilliant name and they put together body in the library which is the first marple so it was kind of the dream team again for miss marple but doing it for alan but as you say, it doesn't quite work, does it? It's all a bit flat. Mm. It's, a, it's a weird one. I don't know. Uh, we could sort of talk sort of briefly about um, the whole golden age crime dramas mm-hmm. and everything like that. Uh, there were there were this group of people in the in the thirties, which included Agatha Christie and Naomi Marge, all these writers who were writing crime dramas, and they seem to be riffing on each other. And the thing that I get whenever I what I haven't actually managed to watch all of the Alan mysteries. I've got to be honest about that. Yeah, I got two. I got to the end of the first series. This was when I actually bought it to watch about must be eighteen months ago now. Yeah, and we never got round to the second series. Ah. You know, I mean, they only made about eight of them all together. Yeah, and I think so. I think we've probably watched about five, but I don't think we've ever watched the the last run at all because it was I. I, I find it very. I, I don't like coming on here and absolutely slagging off a show. You know, you like to look for its merits and everything. Mm-hmm. Like. I just found it incredibly lethargic, okay. languid storytelling, and mm-hmm. I was often a bit bored. Just to say, I am in the new podcast room in. Um... UK TV drama Towers here. Um, I, I, I didn't realise that it was going to rain this afternoon, so this is the first podcast from my new podcasting room. But um, if you can hear the pitter patter of rain, apologies. It feels very cosy. from the outside toilet, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. And if there's any pitter pattering you can hear, well, it's probably the gentleman. <laughs> A little bit of pitter pattering. A little bit of pitter. So they're all trying to see who name the artist. I don't know what's going on here, but so I'm keeping my cards close to my chest as to how I felt about all of it so far. But yes, I I, I mean, artists in crime, quite forgettable. So forgettable that I was quite surprised that I remembered it because I did remember it, and it wasn't one of the reasons why I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind watching that again. But um, mainly, I think because I like the arty setting, um, the artists. I like that feel, Mm. and always been a fan of Siri Neal who Mm. was Minty in Moondial. Jacqueline Pierce said something like, I'm the leading lady. And I said, oh, I thought I was the leading lady. And Jacqueline said, no, darling, you're the Jude lead. I'm the leading lady, obviously. And so I had to sort of concede that at 14, I hadn't quite earned the right to be called a leading lady. I have special kinds of powers, and those powers are telling me that there is some kind of presence here. Where? I can't see anything. I didn't say see. 
and she's the model in this, but she's barely in it. I thought she had things to do. Well, she is in it barely, indeed. Yes, exactly. I mean, she's in it naked, but she doesn't have very many lines at all. And it's just like, oh, what a shame. So she was underused. Deadly pathetic, Sonia. Basil? It's quite the cast, though, but it is quite the underused cast. I mean, you get someone like uh, Reg Marsh turns up for a coffin to spit. Reginald Marsh, the, uh, oh, yes. the chap who was always the, the sort of the terrible boss, wasn't he, in, um, well, in all those sitcoms? Well, he was, really. he was Sir in, um, in um, The Good Life, and he was mm. also in Terry and June all the time, wasn't he? And mm. stuff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But yes. he sort of comes in, waffles on about lunch, waffles like he's on the yes. wrong set and walks through a door and you never see him again. It's kind of weird. And we also have, if you go down to Maiden's Point the Thieves! Aye, the, the Henfrey! Yes! yes. There'll be nothing but damnation for the rest of your lives! <laughs> Aye. Which terrible boy, because I bring you another singing detective connection, which awful boy did that terrible thing on my desk? <laughs> I only go in if there's nobody there. But I heard voices, so I didn't go in. Did you recognise the voices? Yes, sir. Mr Garcia, Mr Malmsley. And this would have been when? At about half past five. I'm assuming, of course, that you didn't overhear any of Mr Garcia and Mr Malmsley's conversation? No, sir, I didn't. Besides... There was a funny smell in the place. I didn't like to be around it. Can you describe the smell? No, sir. Come round, Mrs Hipkin. I'm sure that's not so. Someone of your experience in culinary matters. Try. Sour and creamy. Burning. There was something about it I didn't like. Have you ever smelt it before? Or was it like incense? No, sir. Nothing pleasant about it. Yes, there was lots of people I didn't recognise as well in that, though. Like, names, I think, I vaguely know that name. Like, Nick Redding and mm. Leslie Udwin and Piers mm. Gibbon. The only yes. name I really recognised was Georgia Allen, but I didn't know what I knew her from, who mm. played Valmai. But I wasn't really sure. They're all a lot of people who I kind of knew but didn't know. Yeah, it it was a kind of. It, it is interesting. It's it's a kind of who's that of nineties drama, isn't it? Really, mm. it's it's a, it, there are, it, it's got a full cast, you know, everything like that. But yeah, I mean, apart from the leads, really, the, you know, and again, obviously, a couple of standout. Yeah, um, like who we named. Yeah, people. It 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 doesn't actually strike you as being top tier, does it? In in the same way that the Christie ones. Yeah, and I think that's kind of weird with the casting. So much money would have been spent on Artists in Crime as the big pilot of this mm. new show. and mm. But it's interesting in the sense that it was a pilot. Mm. But then I suppose Body in the Library was a pilot as well because it was about mm. a year before the the next two or three came out because it was a mm. test to see whether the mm. Miss Marple series would fly. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to see that this one obviously didn't fly straight away. Mm. But I think, I would argue it is down to the casting of... Like the 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 supporting cast, the lead mm. the leads I think are good. Mm. I don't know whether Simon Williams is right as Alan because I've not read the books, mm. but and I seem to I enjoyed his performance, but it was quite mm. laid back apart from those moments that apparently aren't in the book. So mm. the moments in, that aren't in the book are the um, 
the trench warfare. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, the worrying, the thinking about the war and going neutral and disengaging. They, they're apparently they're not in the book. Well, that that surprised me because I actually thought they were the part, actually the strongest part. <laughs> No, in, in, invented for the series to make Alan a bit more interesting, apparently. Yes, OK. Explain why he's so distant and cold mm. and, all this, and, and a bit off with Troy quite often. Because they have this will-they-won't-they-know-they-won't relationship thing going on, for, which, considering all the, there's a lot of wild artistic types who basically let it all hang out throughout <laughs> the, 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 in, as part of the entire story, yeah. it does make you rather think um, he, he's, he's such a buttoned-up so-and-so. <laughs> yes. No bad thing, perhaps, that you've seen me at my near worst. I haven't. You hid yourself away. Ah, that. It's, uh, it's very boring. The neuro people say one thing, the psycho people say another. The religious people just get embarrassed. I just go into neutral from time to time. Sometimes it just comes on. Sometimes something triggers it. I just have to live with it. Perhaps that's why I've lived alone. I see. Do you? Yes. Why on earth did you put that tie on? Hmm? Almost as soon as I first met you, you disappeared inside a suit. A very nice suit, but buttoned up nevertheless. And here you are now, putting a tie on to demonstrate how all right you are. I don't think it's necessary. You want me to take it off? I'll, I'll take it off. There's a very uh, nice-looking vintage red car outside one of the garages at one point, which I was completely convinced was Campion's car. I was absolutely oh, convinced it was, it was Campion's mm -hmm. But I don't know for sure. So. Yeah. But I thought maybe they've got more guest-starring vehicles. That van of hers that turns up yeah. throughout it turns up a lot in the later episode. Oh. It's the same. It's either the very similar, but I think it's the same van. I think the same number plate. So the villain uses it. Yeah, it's one of those. It's a prop van, for a 1930s prop van that they just, they repaint grey and it turns up a couple of times. So actually, I think the the people who were supplying vehicles for all these series were basically on retainer. <laughs> you are listening to Van Watch with Andy and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, it's my pitch for taking over from all those horrible people on Top Gear and going, mm, buy a bike. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Martin. Do you know you, Do you know the Pascos in Boxover? <laughs> I beg your pardon. Oh, do I know? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, yes. that you see, that's, have you ever? Well, you you travel. You're a world traveller. Yeah. Right? You, you you get out of it. I basically I basically sat in a in a box <laughs> waiting for somebody to remember I'm alive. But you you actually go off and do do things in the world. And the thing that is that thing is where you go somewhere like uh, America or Australia or wherever. And someone says to you, oh, do you know? And you go, because yeah, you've got the same name <laughs> yes, as somebody exactly. who, who may live at the tip of Scotland. But for some reason, we all know everybody because it's a small village. However, that does seem to be the way the knobs work. Yes, that, it that does. In the 20s and 30s, I kind of think, is it actually the case? It's a bit like that line in Black Orchid where um, they think that she must be from Isha. Um, mm. It's this idea that everyone kind of knows each other, and mm. certainly in this artisan crime, it was like you must know the Pascos in Boxover just because Alan was 
um, you know, an Aristo, that yeah, therefore he must know them. And it's just bizarre. But you get that sort of knitted together people in um, not actual knitted people. But you get I don't a... know, that might be fun. <laughs> Inspector Allen from the Knitted Show. Hello. Hello. Knitted, Hello. knitted character from Oh, Mario. one of them's dead. Oh. <laughs> Put your knitted clothes back on. <laughs> I admitted you a little jumper to do to do detecting it. No, anyway, so oh, no, what I, I, I mean was... A wee tiny saddle roll suit. <laughs> I've got this picture now of him being slightly like, I don't know, like some sort of bear character and, and Agatha Troy's kind of like a sort of Sue-esque panda. <laughs> anyway, mm. sorry. The, my point was, in Miss Marple, everyone seems mm. to know each other. Like, they all know who Dolly Bantry is and, mm. you know, between different villages and it's all kind of, like, it's very interconnected and... Well, village life is, is kind of weird. I, I, funnily enough, again, as, as an aside, uh, we've just watched the latest series of Father Brown. Mm. And Father Brown is a fascinating community where somebody gets mentioned that they're their old friend who I've, you know, it's my best friend in this place and you've never seen them in any other episodes yeah. at all, ever. Yes. Uh, and, sudden, and suddenly, uh, I mean, one of the ones we watched the other night was um, this series has been running for 10 years and never once has it shown any signs of having a rock and roll cafe that they all hang out in, <laughs> except for the purposes of the rock and roll cafe biker episode. Yeah, where suddenly, exactly. Suddenly, suddenly it's where everyone hangs out. Hmm. So, so the but the whole thing about you know everybody goes to church, everybody knows each other yeah. in this tiny, tiny place, yeah. and and I suppose that's part of the conceit of Miss Marple is you know the whole world is that village, and that village represents the whole world. But people and people obviously were in and out of each other's lives. But let's face it, I you know I, I don't know the people three doors down. I don't want to. Talk <laughs> about, you know. Another thing that was in the book that wasn't in the drama. Um, no, that was in the drama, not in the book. Let's make it more complicated than the drama. It's unusual. Mm -hmm. Was the cut that is on Valmai the hair? It's a haircut, mm. and um, a haircut. Yes, <laughs> cut made by hair isn't in the the book. It's just literally the acid got on a on right. a hand, which makes more sense. I did think that was very strange. I was like, well, why are you making a big thing of this? But mm. and then an assumption is made. I felt that when it came to the denouement, that lots of assumptions were made as to how it happened and why. And mm. I was thinking, I'm not sure it's all there to get mm. to that point. Usually, like with no. a Miss Marple, I think, well, that's kind of mostly there, and you could put it together, but I wasn't convinced well, with artists and crime. I don't know. I, don't, I think um, but my argument would be I don't think Nio Marsh is as good a writer as Chris. <gasps> I can't believe you said that. I can't believe it. So, can I, tell you, can I tell you what we did in New Zealand? Okay. We went to Christchurch Public Library because I forget mm -hmm. this now. I think it's called Taranga. It's amazing because it was it was built from scratch after the earthquake, mm -hmm. um, and because I do library related stuff when I train, um, I thought I've got to go and see it so I can talk about it. And we went there. The rain's getting louder behind me, more than pitter pattering now. We went to the third floor, which is the fiction floor, and there mm -hmm. was a, a big Nio Marsh exhibition. Um, so lots of the covers, lots of the books, but also loads of displays and some of her artwork. Because she was she was a Kiwi, and it was all about her work, but particularly her work on theatre productions in New Zealand, which she was better known for in New Zealand was her theatre mm. work as a producer and a director and formerly an actor than it was about her books, which is interesting. Mm. 
I just felt I, it's interesting. The the few episodes of this I have watched, I always felt, oh, that feels familiar. That feels a familiar trope. That feels a familiar form. Wow. That feels a familiar moment. Wow. And it did feel like they were all riffing on the same thing. But I just didn't feel that these felt quite as tight, as 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 well constructed. That was all. But then again, that could be the adaptations more than. She was critiqued at the time, particularly mm. for the relationship between Inspector Allen and Agatha Troy, mm. because they weren't married. No, because it mm. was hugely similar to the pre-existing relationship that was published of Lord Peter Whimsey and Harriet Vane, oh. which is perhaps my favourite mystery series of all time, the Dorothy L. Sayers mysteries. I even prefer it to Miss Marple. But mm. in that, that relationship with the Aristo, with the kind of slightly arty off the wall, mm. um, outspoken woman, it's the same mm. relationship. Mm. Um, it's very plagiarised. And mm. yes, that has been pointed out many times before mm. that she's kind of copycatting Dorothy L. Mm. So there you oh, go. Interesting. You don't think that he and Bright could be one and the same? Oh, no. No, definitely not. Perkins was thin and weedy, but he was quite a different build. And he certainly didn't have one shoulder higher than the other. Not for me to criticise one of the you know, literature's considered greats, but it, <laughs> you know, why, how could I? But the, the thing about it is it just felt very derivative a lot of the time. Now that could be that she was writing it first, you know, but it it just did feel derivative to me. I I, I kept thinking, oh, I've seen this before better. Hmm. Um, well, do, do you know like that horrible? Oh, well, we barely dare talk about it. Marple, you know, Marple <clears throat> on ITV, <clears throat> which kind of was heightened but wrong, weird <clears throat> versions of the um, Miss Marple stories, <clears throat> and. They felt so derivative, but it was kind of mm. almost emphasising the derivativeness as mm. a as a as a aspect as an attribute. Mm. But this just felt kind of flat, really. It wasn't mm. so much that; it was more. Yeah, I know what you mean. It just felt like by numbers. I've never understood actually why uh, ITV can do Poirot so well, generally, mm. mostly, mm. Uh, and you know, quite, quite, there's quite a lot of. You know, decent ITV dramas about you know I mean, yeah. I'm not the hugest fan but there are some pretty good ones at the moment I'm actually preferring what ITV are doing in things like Aspire Mongers than anything the BBC have churned out in the last 10 years right. quite frankly Gosh. I'm preferring I can watch those dramas and I find them more watchable than you know, your Happy Valleys and all that nonsense but that's, wow. that's fair enough I know people <laughs> like them so well. you know but um, <clears throat> you know that's that, I'm just not drawn to those these these modern things about people. <laughs> don't say anyway. about people, darling. No, 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 it's just people and their miserable lives. I mean, good God, you know. Uh, anyway, so, um, but the thing that gets me is that I can never quite put my finger on why Marple doesn't work and Miss Marple does because, and I, the only thing I can bring it down to is it's the performances and... And it's all heightened. It's deliberately heightened theatrical bollocks. Mm. It also hired too many guests... Um, actors who not either weren't actors properly or they were singers or whatever but it was mm. it was very much casting for you know jnt casting stunt casting mm. um but also it was quite a few years after poirot and it was kind of a different beast altogether it didn't mm. have people who were really invested in the program it was by the 
point that then um, bloody Matthew, whatever you call him, the grandson of Agatha Christie, oh, yeah. would just take the money for whatever and didn't check anything. Mm. But yeah, back to artists in crime. Mm. Um, can I tell you my highlight? My absolute highlight? Uh, was it Edward Judd? Edward Judd? What was that? Who was that? Edward Judd as the boss policeman. <laughs> The guy from uh, the day the earth caught fire, oh, <laughs> and, right. and the uh, think once, think twice, think bike. And, oh, I like uh, that. Whenever I <laughs> see, kind of whenever I see think bike though, I always think because it's written badly. I always think mm. it says thank bake. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? What's thank bake? I always have to tell myself it's think bike. Anyway, <laughs> Edward Judd was one of those bright young things of early sixties oh, cinema. Thank you. Basically, his career never really quite. Uh, lived up to the potential mm. and he has again a cough and a spit in this as, as, the, ah. as the boss man and of course uh, in the, the later series that role is Leslie Schofield yes, the it, ubiquitous yes. Leslie Schofield I know as I live and breathe um, it, it, what the, my highlight was two pieces of dialogue one in particular was when okay. Troy leant forward and said I think I'm about to be helpful and ah. I, I just <laughs> love that oh hugger I was just like, and I'm... that actually is wonderful uh, in as a moment because what she basically does is by saying my petrol tank was full, yes, and, and it's now two, two, three quarter gallons empty, and I know I get a steady twenty two miles to yes. the gallon. I know exactly how far this that can't be. Yeah. yeah, lovely. It wasn't it lovely, and that was and it's but as an exposition thing because otherwise it's how can we work out how to? Yeah, oh, we'll draw a map on the wall. No, it's just. Oh, it's such an elegant way of doing it. It was, and I did love that, and I wanted to bring that out. Why did he? Oh. What is it? I think I'm about to be helpful. Yes? Yes, when I last used the van, I filled up in the village on the way home, and I can practically guarantee, on an average run, 22 to the gallon. Is that helpful? That is helpful. And also just to say that Belinda Lang was was very, is very good as, mm. as um, Agatha Troy, particularly as... Concurrently, she was playing um, that part in 2.4 Children, a very mm. different contemporary um, mother. It is very odd, because I've watched the whole of 2.4 Children, because it happened to turn up on the iPlayer ah. around for years. So all, all, is it five or eight series, yeah. or whatever it is, are on, or, or were on iPlayer. So I'd actually watched all of 2.4, and then this came on. And the, the, the contrast with her terribly posh voice. She's yes. also turned up in a couple of big finishes I've listened to yeah, as well. Okay. So, so she, she's still around doing that sort of thing. But that it's a very distinctive voice, but when she turns it up to not... Sometimes I find the um, the uh, the slightly repressed posho bit a little bit a little bit difficult, but, but most of the time she's very good in it. Yeah, but I think the reason why I like that line so much is it because you get all those lines all the time from Harriet Vane, mm. from Harriet Walter in mm. the Dorothy L. Sayers Mysteries. That's mm. a, such a Harriet Vane line. I think I'm about to be helpful. Oh, look, it's mm. something about that gets my soul. It's brilliant. The other line I liked was quoth by Ursula Howells, and it was when mm. she was quizzing um, her son about mm. Agatha and asked collaborator or resistance fighter mm. and I just liked that it mm. was just really a nice way of describing the the situation yeah so that was mm. dialogue I enjoyed but it's probably straight from Naya Marsh mm. there's a there's a kind of nice bit where where I think her her friend in the car refers to, to which was Savile Row suit Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and he goes, oh, he's such a knob. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
That was good. And I think they meant knob in the, um, he's a bit posh or yeah. a bit lauded, rather than, oh, well, it's modern. It's modern use. Now, the biggest, yes, indeed. The biggest weakness of the entire thing was, I think, the subplot to do with Julian Marmersley. I always mm-hmm. want to call him Julian Marmalade. Um, mm-hmm. Was that he was meant? He was had trans moments, didn't he? Where he would dress up as a woman yeah. and went to clubs and various things. Yeah. But it was obviously him. And even mm. with a slight glimpse of the photo, I immediately knew it was him. <laughs> over the corner. Oh, you mean where where Simon uh, Williams is staring at the photo, going, "What? What? <laughs> I know, I like, can't, I can't you see it? It's basically that character with a bad wig on." So, no, but in the 30s, that sort of thing just didn't happen. No, I couldn't even imagine <laughs> it. Gentlemen dressing as a lady would just not have happened it's at not, all, ever. It's not ever. done. How could you possibly? It just wouldn't have come easily to mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was really funny. Because even one of the characters, is it Troy, comes in and just to check whether she was right on first glimpse, she wants to have a look at the photographs again just to confirm that she knows it is him. Mm. And it's like, oh my God. This is ridiculous. It's not, you see, that the woman is up to anything. It's the fact that it's a woman at all. I don't understand, I'm afraid. I didn't tell you because I realised that what I discovered really was material for blackmail by Sonia, and I thought Julian had enough to cope with from you. Anyway, Katie's confirmed it for me just now. She knows the clubs he goes to. That's not a woman. It's Julian Marmsley. <gasps> that would have been, I, I assume that is in the original book, and I assumed it would have been quite a shocking revelation in, in, in the book of the period. Indeed. Um, yeah, in fact, just quite by accident, we ended up having quite a few um, homosexual elements to both of mm. these, um, those mm. sto- these stories. At the start, I was a bit confused, though. I don't know whether it's because I wasn't really following things, but the mm. guy who was at the start, the painter who hung himself, mm. <laughs> did he hang himself because Siri Neal discovered that he was gay? Is that right? I think so. Yes. I think that's generally the... Or she was blackmailing him and yes. rather than be exposed. But Because he was painting pictures of naked men. But mm. I didn't realise that... that Because it was never spelled out. Did Were mm. you just meant to realise that? Was I being dense? I was half watching it this morning, and I must admit, it got to about forty minutes in, and I'm thinking I haven't actually a clue what's going on. <laughs> and I, I, I've, like I say, I've watched this thing three times, and I'm still trying to work out because uh, I know in the uh, the resume, the um, the synopsis you read out earlier, it says an art a, a, an artist model is murdered, but she doesn't get murdered till about halfway through. No, <laughs> and so that's not what draws him in. That he's drawn in initially because of the suicide. Mm. Um, so you know, and all these various plot points that connect. Yes, I, I, one of the things that struck me about this is yeah. uh, the whole thing has this idea of the artistic community of the '30s and ha- you know the avant-garde lifestyle. Yeah, it's very much the Bloomsbury set, isn't it? And all mm, of that. Yeah. Very much so, and and you know, uh, sort of gay women and um, you know men men living with several women and and women not being married to. Man and imagine, and, imagine. <laughs> and yet somehow in the midst of this this wild artistic set you've got the very prim agatha troy and her lovely watercolors and her lovely <laughs> yes. oil paintings she is a bit of a drip compared isn't she when well you, you know basically it. there's all this like i said earlier the, the will they won't they and you kind of think let's face it if she's hanging out with that lot they will <laughs> <laughs> um can i pick out two of the things that i struggled yeah. with in this 
okay. one of the things was the way that the model was was ultimately killed was being dropped on the chaise long in which she was lying and posing yep. on a knife because mm-hmm. someone wanted to test what it would look like to have a knife going through the model and therefore blood um mm. some sort of classical literary illusion or something mm. but yeah. it was really weird that it felt very forced as a as a as an idea that you would mm. set up this dagger underneath the yeah. the chaise long mm. so that it was setting up that this murder was mm. always going to happen in this way it's kind of like testing yeah. it out and yeah. i just didn't buy it i was just like well what no. the fuck what you, why is this happening yeah and it, of course, there's the bit, isn't there, where where Troy is dangling over it because she's she's sort of saying, "Don't drop me." I know, as if you'd go anywhere near it. And she's like, oh, <laughs> don't bloody well stick a knife out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a peculiar. Uh, it, it feels very, like you say, contrived. It does feel uh, not necessarily the most logical plot point because basically you might as well have a big sign up saying, "This is going to happen." Yes, obviously. And it's also. I do think that there's an interesting when it actually does happen. There's an interesting thing where a watercolorist in, in the artist group who are painting the the nude model uh, actually draws in the knife and draws the blood on it, and that painting is still there when the police arrive, and not one of them seems to remark upon it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But there we go. But that's I think a visual conceit. Yes, there's also a really... Rather than showing a lot of gore and a lot of, you know, the actual knife through. Yeah. I mean, but there's an awful lot of... I mean, there's an awful lot of very, very nudity, isn't there, for... Very, very nudity. It's very, very nudity. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of it going on. I only remember... For for an early evening BBC, um, you know... Was there anyone else... Two days before Christmas. Was there anyone else other than Garcia and Siri Neal? Um... Well, I suppose what I was meeting, even in terms of the paintings. Oh right, yes. There was a lot of paintings There was a lot of there was a lot of tufts of hair and and, <laughs> lot, and, and nipples and things that, that you might not nipples. expect. I mean, I don't know what time it was on when it was first on, but but for a BBC pre-Christmas special. For BBC, was, darling. You're watching the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just I was surprised how much of it there was really, yeah. just for that kind of show. I mean, um, there is actually a there is a Poirot which has a, a dude model in it as well, and again that is surprisingly um, in your face, as it were. So yeah, it's, well, it's just interesting because I yeah. you know I kind of they usually there's all you know these these sort of flowers or arms or things coming in front and <laughs> and actually I mean I suppose if you're you know dealing I mean it's, it's odd, isn't it? Because in in recent years. We've had um, lots more forensic series, and there's always yeah. basically a body on a slab, and they always, you know, they're always sort of nipples to the world, aren't they? <laughs> it's kind of, it, it, I suppose it has changed, but I, I suspect that was kind of a tragic. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a wonderful little cameo. Um, is it Andrew Robert, Robertson? Is it? Yes. As the um, the, um, the the coroner. Yeah, yeah. I want that body. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and you think, what do you want it for? That's a bit sleazy. That. I know very much. I want Siri Neal's body, I want it now. Yes. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'd rather drink tea. So you didn't drink the coffee? Only a little. Hmm. May I see your hand? And this cut was sustained whilst riding? Yes. It was the horse's hair that cut you? Yes.
explain your wearing of these? She's never worn the things. I know she hasn't. I've told him so. I'll swear you haven't. Don't answer him. You fool. You bloody fool. There were moments of genuine suspense in this. I do, I do think it, it, it was actually quite well directed in the end. It just, the whole pacing of the thing felt so goddamn slow and there was a lot of exposition. But it did do, and I, what I, I it's, the, it's the classic crime of this type, the mm. crime series of this type. But did you notice when she switched to evil voice? Oh, Valmai. Yeah. Yes. Suddenly it was like, you know, it's, he, when, when he drops her in it in the interview process... You fool. Yeah, suddenly he's, ah, ha, ha, evil voice, evil voice. <laughs> <laughs> F, I did it, I did it all. Ah. But she does, I mean, she does that proper thing because you know in, in 20s, 30s, 40s crime drama, they're going to be basically, they are going to go off and they are going to be put to death. Yeah. So actually, she, she actually fights... When they're trying to put her in yes, the she really fights like a like a wild cat. Now, in Father Brown, they just meander off. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not. She's fighting them, isn't she? She's properly, you know, yeah. angry. And, uh, she is. Georgia Allen, who is now a yoga instructor and therapist. Oh, um, well, there we go. But she did a lot of TV. That's not to say she wasn't successful. Mm. But I feel like I know her from something, and I can't work it out what I know her from that's better, that's more than this. Anyway. Since recording this episode, I happened to watch an episode of Victoria Wood, Mensana in Thingamie Doodah, which featured Georgia Allen in the role I knew her best for, which was as Sally Ann, who's one of the people at the health farm in that playlet. You don't want to lose weight, do you? I do, Victoria. My agent says if I can't taper my hips to quite an extent, I can say bye-bye lingerie, hello bakeware. <laughs> what, you model? Catalogues, glamour, promos. Have you seen the car parts calendar? Um... I'm August. I'm pointing at a fan belt. Was that topless? <laughs> Not really. I was holding quite a big spanner. Because they say you shouldn't eat a lot of eggs now, don't they? Oh, quite honestly, Lily. If you believe everything they say, like all this other people smoking can give you cancer. I mean, how can it? I mean, if you read a book, Victoria, that's not going to make me more intelligent, is it? I wouldn't have thought so. No. The other thing that, that strikes me, though, is that despite... And I know we've not necessarily been the, the kindest to this, but I do think that immediately when you, when you tune into this as a piece of drama, as a piece of television, you really are immediately in a time. Yeah. You know? This is, again, this, this classic thing that they say that the BBC did period drama very well but you do get this sense of the 1930s very immediately oh you do it's even so the stuff obviously... with, and the stuff with the boats and all that stuff it's 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 it is that that time is being evoked gorgeously and and you know they are they are really good at that sort of period piece and and interestingly enough you have this this idea that um when it comes to simon williams character and his breakdown. I mean, like we, like you said, that was kind of not involved. Yeah. You know, that wasn't in the book. But actually, I think it's that aspect of it, that aspect of the um, the actual production is very well handled, and yeah. it does actually it does give 
hidden depths, if you like, to Alan. And I think it's very sensitively handled, that idea of the PTSD and how he just cannot cope and how he switches off. And yeah. I just felt that was well handled and very well done. I agree. I enjoyed all that. The only other bit that I was going to poke fun at mm. was the bit where, I think, um, in Shakespearean terms, Belinda Lang, Agatha Troy, was meant to be behind an Alice... Um, mm. where she was beside a wall, but she was mm. just standing in plain view, listening to the conversation <laughs> between um, the woman and Alan. Alan. Mm. I can't remember what she was called. But mm. um, it was just really weird. And then she just turned mm. and said, well, why don't you ask her? Well, she, well, yeah, she's just stood there in broad daylight. And I don't know why mm. Alan couldn't see her from where she, who he was. So it was just mm. one of those weird directorial things that didn't quite work for mm. me. Can I just say one, one last thing? Um, the director was Silviano Nazarano. I've made of his name now. <laughs> That's terrible. It's something like that, Nazarino. But um, he directed Body in the Library, and I thought of all the Miss Marples that Body in the Library was the slowest and took too mm. long to get there. So I was do... that the three part? Yes. Mm. So I do think that may have been part of the problem mm. that he was a bit more into like taking a long time to get there. Mm. I mean, again, I. I... I suspect it was what I said at the top of the, the recording is that you've got, um, you know, that whole thing at that time you had Morse and Morse had stretched the crime drama to two hours or well, one hour 40 mm. adverts. And there was this sense that, I mean, because if you think about it, Sherlock Holmes on Granada suddenly started doing hour 40 minute episodes it became people were looking for another morse that would fill that same sort of time slot and it almost feels that actually this would have worked better at say an hour 20 or or you know even you know i mean if you think about something like crib now crib would take entire books yes and do it in 50 and minutes do it in 50 minutes you know so i think a lot of the the um the the literature of that time was possibly a little not dense enough for the running time, if you see what I mean. And I think maybe a if a decision had been made on the Alan mysteries to be, at, you know, at a shorter length, it would have actually been a, a tighter, stronger show. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the scenes do feel like they're just meandering. The other thing I did want to mention, of course, was uh, William Simons, who is in Crib. He is. he is. He is the side. So he, this was his another sidekick. He had wonderfully pockmarked uh, face actor. Yes, really. Actually, of all of them, he's the one who looks like a real copper. Oh, totally. He he looks like a copper through and through, and totally sort of world weary and cynical, and but always yeah. very protective of the boss. Yeah. Blackmail, sir. Well, the only visitors that Carlos Connolly had on the day he hanged himself, as far as we can establish, were his agent, an equerry. And his cleaning woman, a Mrs. Weber. Equerry? Yes, he came to deliver the uniform that Connolly was using for the royal portrait. And of course he was mandrel in the Sunmakers, was he not? <laughs> we have to put that in there. And we're going to have so many more Doctor Who connections in the next bit. Um, so, moving on then to Final Curtain. Which was I must mention that I watched A Man Lay Dead because when we thought you couldn't get hold of uh, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, artists in crime, I did actually. Uh, this was the backup. We watched that we would watch the pilot of uh, of the the revised version, which right? Malahide. So I, and that was basically nuns and bells and cross dressing as well. So it was. It was and I yeah. noticed it was really lazy casting because. Because it had Sister Ulrika playing... Sister Ulrika playing... Sister Ulrika. Well, I've not watched it, so was it without a Dutch accent? No need for that. There is work to do, an example to be set. 
shall expect you in your right mind tomorrow. Uh, yes, it, basically, you, you, you just saw that framed you, and you immediately went to Tenko. It's really quite weird. Yes. Um, and uh, interestingly, uh, I was watching something else this morning and uh, Sylvia turned up. There's a, uh, there's a lot of nuns. I also noticed that Callie from Blake 7 was in that one. Was she? Did yes. she get too much to do? Uh, I think she's a, a, a postmistress or something. Oh, that's not much then. It's a, no, it's, it's a one scene, but I was thinking, I know that. Oh, yes, it's, yes, it's got on the credits. So, yeah. <laughs> right, so Final Curtain, which was broadcast in May 1993, when they finally got around to um, making yeah. it again, the first series with Patrick Malahide. I went into this mm. just last night. It's the only time I've watched it, thinking it was going to be an hour, because I had in my head that the Patrick Malahide ones were just the 15 minutes, oh, right. but they're not. So I, had to, so I had to say it all that time. But that was good, uh, because ultimately, can I tell you, mm. I adored it. Well, <laughs> the interesting thing is, I, I think I pointed you at, at Final Curtain. You did! Uh, when we were talking about this. Now, the, the thing about this was, is I'm very methodical. Uh, well, I say I'm methodical. <laughs> I'm not methodical at all. But I like to watch things in the order they they come out in, you know, if I can. So I'm not, I'm not much of one for the random episode. So we had sat through uh, A Man Lay Dead and The Nursing Home Murder. Yeah. When we were just watching this series for the sake of I've got this set shall we watch it mm. kind of thing and I did find the first two a slog I, I really struggled to stay awake through right. them. you know they oh, were, wow. it was fun. and this to me was the first episode where I actually I enjoyed it and I felt it was a watchable episode so it's interesting that you and you enjoyed it as well because it, it's a it's a genuine so it's suddenly it's like they've made it's like they've suddenly made two of these things and they're a bit eh, and then suddenly it hits its stride sort of yeah, I mean, it, it, they only make eight with Patrick Malahide, and it takes them to three to actually get it right. I think so. I don't actually know. We haven't gone back to it, but maybe the the later ones after that are better. Yeah. But uh, Final Curtain certainly feels like a, a starting point, or the series has finally decided what it is. Interestingly, yeah. <laughs> and, is it interesting, Martin? I like to think it is because what what this story particularly does is it actually pretty much writes Alan out of it. I know, and I was, do you know what? It was terrible because I was happy about that because I was thinking, yes, female-led drama. Martin's chosen the right one. I'm so happy. Belinda Lang's great. As it's a bit like in Dorothy Alsayers when Harriet Vane gets most of Gordy Knight to herself, mm. and then Peter comes in at the end. It's a bit like that, and mm. I love that model. And I was thinking, great, because Patrick Malahide seems boring. But then Patrick mm. Malahide comes into it and it's brilliant. Mm. Yes. I loved precisely. him. I loved him. Well, you get it. about, it's, it's about the first 40 minutes, isn't it? It's a flashback. Yes. She's saying, oh, well, this is what happened at my weekend. I was there yes. painting this painting and, a, and this happened and this must happened. It have been a very long dinner because she goes into massive detail about what she did. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? This works in this type of crime drama. Yes. You imagine if you if I was to actually say to you, so how was your weekend? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, yeah, we had we had, yeah we went out for a meal. Uh, you know yeah it was fine. You know it was all right. Uh, why why? And that would be it. But no, <laughs> back in the thirties when people didn't have television and phones <laughs> to distract them, <laughs> they would tell you in immense detail everything everybody was wearing throughout the and what we had for each course. And what they said because later on she comes back with one line she forgot to recount um it's hilarious so i've got a little synopsis shall i read it to mm. you it's actually okay. quite a big synopsis but here we go 
Agatha Troy is enlisted by Thomas Ancred to paint a portrait of his father, an egotistical ham Shakespearean actor, for the man's 75th birthday. He lives in a lavish Gothic-style mansion and takes great delight in disobeying his doctor's orders by indulging in rich food and alcohol and offending his grown children by taking on a seemingly not very bright peroxide blonde, 50 years his junior. He's called Sonia. Um, beside Thomas's wife, Millamant, who acts as his caregiver, Sir Henry has four middle-aged daughters and numerous grandchildren, all of whom form a most dysfunctional, theatrical-obsessed family, always jockeying for position in the old man's will which he regularly rewrites depending on his latest whim. He becomes furious when Agatha's portrait of him as Macbeth is vandalised, and he spitefully rewrites his will for what will be the one last time. There. Wills are big in this sort of story, aren't they? You know, it's that wills. Mm. All these things are about who's getting what. <laughs> I, always, I always end up thinking about a tontine. Ah. A tontine from Miss Marple. I can't remember which one that's in. But, um, yes, anyway. There's a very good episode of MASH about a tontine, so that's, that's where it always takes me. He's an old Colonel Potter and his old old comrades. But there we well, I was, I was talking about David Ogden Stiers last night, ah. so there's a MASH connection. Um, so was I, weirdly, on a, on a podcast. <laughs> and only because I was saying that he's the one episode of Frasier that I always see is that one where he thinks he's David Ogden Stiers is his father. Yeah. But there we go. It's just I, I I have this theory that if you ever see one episode of something, it's always the same episode, and it follows you round. Oh yes, oh, absolutely. So um, this I couldn't believe I'd never seen it. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I mean, the sad thing was I knew who the murderer was straight away yes. because I thought there's no way they could have got this person to, no. to do this without giving them the part yeah. of the the murderer. No, so um, yes. But, um, is but that, that is one is of the problems. Is it a spoiler 30 years later Sorry? to say who it is? Well, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, it, it always seems to be that nowadays people sort of... And maybe that's why Marple had those... All, all the cast were huge names. Because there was always this thing that the biggest name was obviously going to be the villain, you know. Hmm. So maybe that was a thing. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of signposted. But... You know, that's fine. Lovely, actually, funnily enough, uh, this is the one that starts with that lovely cameo on the boat, doesn't it, when he's coming back from, oh, he's bringing a villain that was, back. That was nice, bringing a villain back, but you don't know he's a villain mm. until he cuffs him. Mm. That was good. Mm. And, and a wonderful uh, wonderful uh, straw hat as well. So. You'll have to just <laughs> jolly me along with this because I made so many notes about this because mm. I enjoyed it so much. Mm -hmm. Um so what I loved about this was all the theatrical and literary allusions mm. throughout from Shakespeare, from, mm. from Macbeth, from Romeo and Juliet, but also other things as well. Like all the rooms were named after theatrical people like mm -hmm. Sarah Siddons and Sarah Bernhardt. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, I've spent, I'm spent, you're, are you spending the night in Sarah Bernhardt? I think I might be. <laughs> no, I mean Mrs. Bracegirdle. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, you um, and the, the characters, that, this is what was difficult. Not difficult, but I thought it would be off-putting to other people. Mm. I love this world mm. of enhanced, exaggerated theatricalia, theatrical people. Mm. Um, it was kind of similar to the artists, I guess. It was mm. just a slight sw switch up on that. That was the books, wasn't it? They moved in these circles. Yes. Which were sort of avant-garde circles. So it was always going to be this kind of story. Fen, my poppet. Paul, haven't either of you told Miss Troy about Sonia? Is she one of the family? No, but she'd like to be. Cedric, you are impossible. Sonia is the old party's protégée. 
Oh, yes. Or if I may resort to ye olde English, she's his bit of naughty. Cedric, you're disgusting. Thank you, Fenella. But I believe chastisement is a mother's privilege. We all loathe her. Am I in time for food cup? Oh, say it's not all gone. Sonia simply must have a Dwinky. Darling! Cedric! You've come down for Noddy's birthday! But it's kind of heightened melodrama, and it's whether you can get on board with that. And I think some people would find it annoying. So if anyone's thinking of watching this on the basis of listening to us, ha! <laughs> um, I don't think that's very likely. But but yes, it, it's if you have to get on with that sort of heightened sense of, and not heightened in a bad Marple ITV sense, but in the sense of these are all exaggerated characters, mm. none more so. Well, yes. Shall than, we tell them? Shall we tell we them who plays the old theatrical knight? <laughs> yes, it's brilliant. Go on, you tell them. It's the mighty, wonderful, very always understated... <laughs> Graham Crowden. You think that he's over the top as Soldied in Horns of Nymon. You've seen <laughs> nothing yet. You have to watch Final Curtain in the Inspector yes. Allen Mysteries just to see how much further he can go and how much scenery he chews. Uh, it's, it's the full fruit bowl, isn't it, really? It's <laughs> I wrote down so many lines. I'll just read a few of them. I am grievously displeased. <laughs> Let the ingrate be brought before me. We shall know. Tomorrow we shall know. <laughs> it was just all the time. His lines were amazing. I demand to know the author of this outrage. Well, it wasn't Panty. She's been in bed since seven. She's been painting green cows for days. I've seen her. Cow yourself. The medicine she takes makes her sleep like the dead. The child couldn't have done it. Noddy, did you hear that? That bitch has just called me a cow! I am going to bed. Do you mean you're going to stand there and let me be insulted by that? I am upset! I am indeed unwell. Leave me! I am going alone. He needs looking after. Excuse me. I, th I think there's a wonderful thing about when actors, strangely enough, get to play actors or this idea of that yes they they seem to absolutely let rip don't they they just love it they just sort of absolutely go off the deep end and go right you know <laughs> you want me to be an actor i'm gonna be a i'm gonna be the most hammy actor you've ever seen in your life and it's absolutely appropriate and absolutely it, it it's a it's a tour de force. I mean, obviously, as the victim, he's not in the entire thing. But it's when he is in it, it is stupendous. Have I just ruined it by saying he's the victim? No, I haven't. No, no, you haven't. It's obvious. Um, another line of his, which I thought, which I loved, which was said in low key voice, was, um, "Methought I did hear the groundlings applaud," when he <laughs> announces his will. I mean, what a brilliant line! Oh, and when what happens at one point is that someone writes on a mirror. In, in red, cadmium red, mm. um, grandfather is a boring old ham, which is a really <laughs> funny moment. But um, they're talking about what sort of red it is, and I think each, um, Agatha says it's cadmium. Mm. And he just suddenly shouts out, The shade is immaterial! My solicitor will be here by lunchtime. <laughs> and I just loved that. It was so good. Mm. Oh, and I wrote down to that point, this part was made for Graham Crowden. They can't have ever thought of anyone else mm. doing it. What these books always do is they gather together the most horrendous family. 
Yes. Uh, and there's always the the terrible um, the terrible young wife who the rest of the family hate because they think they're going to lose their inheritance. And it, yes, it's again yeah. riffing on very familiar. Oh God, there's yeah. the F again. It's riffing on very familiar um, themes within this kind of literature. But it is a, it's actually a, it's a it's a sparkling take on it, really. I mean, the, uh, it was this one was uh, Hugh Leonard, wasn't it, who adapted this one? Yes, and I was trying to think. He's just written so many different mm. things. I couldn't put my mind to what exactly, but he's a prolific scriptwriter for a lot of series. And directed by Martin Friend, who isn't me. Martin Friend, <laughs> Friend Martin. <laughs> What I want to know about Martin Friend, right, because there's Martin Friend, the director, mm. who, importantly, again, George Galatio bringing his Marple buddies back, mm -hmm. he directed 450 from Paddington, right, which is one of my favourite mm. of the Miss Marples. So, you know, that's no surprise that I love Philip. Deft hand on the tiller. Yes. But Martin Friend is also an actor mm. when he spelt differently with an uh, I rather than a Y and what I want to know is are there two Martin friends <laughs> and or is it one where he slightly spells his name differently oh, that's, that's a very good question because the other sure. Martin friend is no less than Stigren from the under uh, Asian, the actor. it's possible it's possible so I just don't know and I can't work it out the sort of person who would know would be Toby Haydock and he would just say no this Martin friend and this this Martin friend so Toby can you help us out thank you please <laughs> thank you good um there's an awful lot of stuff in this about black market and things i don't know if you noticed that it's, it's, well, it's i that... think it's meant to be wartime isn't it yeah. this one more than the other it's just one. that yeah. I, I noticed that when he comes back from nabbing his villain abroad he brings her a pineapple <laughs> brings, brings funny, troy a pineapple <laughs> yes and then there's a lot of talk about them having a black market dinner with this big family dinner and it's all black market goods because she doesn't really want to, she doesn't like that anchored guy until he's, she's presented with a, a plump roast chicken and she's like, oh, I'll, talk, I'll stay and talk to you actually. Well, yes. the word of the month is plump. It's everywhere at the moment. I mean, no, every, is it? All these adverts <laughs> at the moment are talking about, and lovely plump this, and lovely plump that. <laughs> are you plump? No, it's, it's just, I've, I've become very aware of the word plump this month. Uh, an early on thing that Ryan and I commented on, and Ryan was really laughing, he was kind of part watching it, he wasn't watching all of it. Where's the question? design at all for the theatre. Which basically we felt was like saying, are you a gayer, basically. <laughs> Do a design so, for the theatre. So we think Do we're going to ask that of people from now on. Do you design for the theatre? Do you have musicals upon your CD player? <laughs> Do you take it up the arse? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably yes. written out in the uh, opening letters of that line in the book, of that page in the book. You know, if you read it down, it says, Do you take it down? No, no, no. <laughs> Oh, that was so funny. He was great fun. The guy who played Cedric, mm. um, um, who was the mummy's boy. And mm. um, what I didn't like was because he was a bit of a... He was called a little twerp at one yes. point, wasn't it? And it was the fact that his mother had done all of the things because he was considered to be a stupid little twerp. Mm. But he was just gay in a world where he was actually allowed to be gay because he was in the aristocracy, so it was a bit more allowed. It's a bit like Evelyn Waugh's sort of like um, vile body sort of era. And you, you could be that sort of person. Mm. But it there's kind of a looking down on him for being a mummy's boy and the fact that there's there's an element of homophobia around it. Mm. But then he is such an idiot that you kind of think, well, it's actually fair enough. Mm. Um, I don't know. The old party begs to be excused. He's closeted with Mr. Ratisbon. Oh. 
Anything I can do? Uh, well, yes. Would you stand in for him? Me? I'm just touching up the highlights on this cloak. It's there. Would you mind? Mind? I'm in seventh heaven. Uh, like this? Shall I be dashing? It was... It, I was slightly uncomfortable with that character on the basis that just because he was so over-the-top gay. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Because, again, a lot of this might have come from the page and therefore the writing of the time might have been sort of writing between the lines, as it were. But also, I suppose, the actual programme was made 30 years ago now. So mm. the attitudes and everything like that have changed. So maybe, again, I mean, the sort of comedy effect of that character. What Sometimes things were written to that. Sometimes they were performed to that. It's 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 difficult, really, to, to not sort of stand back now and find it a bit weird but actually at probably at the time it just felt that's how these things were portrayed on screen so i don't know yeah um talking about agatha troy's painting mm. wasn't it amazing that painting of graham crowden oh yeah, yeah. and if i had been graham crowden i would have said that's coming with me after this hey. <laughs> i hope he got it and i hope his family have got it are now. you a total abstainer <laughs> <laughs> it was so I'm having that for a wall! <laughs> exactly! <laughs> we shall have it tomorrow! Where else um, could you use it? <laughs> brilliant! Brilliant! Oh, I love Graham Crowden so much. It just makes me want to watch it. I'm very keen to practice all over again. For some reason, I've also written, um, you know, because this, this is. I've, I've written these various references. I've written Not Macbeth Lear, which I think must have been in it. And yeah, also, he did some Lear as well, yeah. And there's a scene where the, the, the women, they resemble the three witches in the. In the yes! Uh, yeah, so many allusions. Another one I liked was when um, Troy started following the cat around and she, mm. as if it was the white rabbit, and she said, Oh, I'm Alice in Wonderland now. I thought that was nice. Was that, was that uh, when I, I've written down pigeon amongst the cats, but I can't remember that. I know that, was, that, that was later on, yeah, yeah, but that's kind of a lit, deliberate lift from Cat Among the Pigeons, isn't it? Um, which, of course, is Christy. And also at one point where where um, Sonia says, flowers that bloom in the spring, tra which is, of course, the Mikado. So loads of theatrical and literary illusions that if you know them, it's it just becomes more fun. I think there's also a, a dinner scene in this, which uh, all I've written down for it is exquisite bitching. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. The, but you, the, when you've got a cast including Eleanor Bron, <laughs> the, 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 and and all the women seem to hate each other, <laughs> but but are pretending to like each other. I just think it's especially when they're picking on this the 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 young the young um, who who plays the the young wife. Oh, Sonia. Sonia. Emma Amos. She played Dangerous Davies' wife in The Last Detective, Peter Davies' yeah. wife, in all of those. Yes. Oh, God. Underage and first cousins. This is a mother's thanks. Cedric, stop it. You too, Pauline. Fenella, Paul. Do you want to turn him against his own family? He's in one of his tantrums, that's all. Because we didn't go to him and humbly ask his blessing. He's not upset. It's all an act. You ought not to paint him as Macbeth, Miss Troy. What he really is is bloody old King Lear. How sharper than a serpent's tooth! Ugh! And as far as turning against his family is concerned, he's done that already. Ever since he brought that tart into the house, that peroxide gold digger, fifty years younger than I. Something 
thing about Cedric that really made me laugh was when he got out of the carriage and he says, I refuse to walk. And it reminded me very much of how I don't do buses. <laughs> I just refuse to do buses if I can. Um, when I was in Stockholm, and we were meant to be going to the archipelago to mm. the log cabin, which my friends Anna and Annalie have. Mm. Uh, Anna has, and Annalie was there as well. Mm. And um, they were suggesting I get a bus from Stockholm to this place. Oh, right. And I was like, I don't do buses. <laughs> and it just <laughs> me of this. I, I refuse to walk. Uh, but he, he did shout it, though, he, rather than just say it. Um, uh, she was also uh, Yvonne in uh, Goodnight Sweetheart. Ah, uh, oh, that's her big role, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, also, mm-hmm. other cast members we need to talk about. We have a bit of a Pyramids of Mars reunion, do we? We not? get Shady. We get Shady, who says about whoopee cushions. Oh, I cushions. know. It's a lovely little cameo as as the as the um, as the uh, j- joke shop man and his. What what do they call the whoopee cushions? In this? Raspberry cushions. Raspberry cushions. And he says they're a bit rude, you know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love lovely, beautiful. So good. Well, I just now noticed those raspberry cushions in your window. Oh, he really won't like that. They're a bit rude, you know. But isn't it a small world? Would you believe I sold one of these not two weeks ago? And that was for a little girl who wasn't well. Get away. This one's for a child up at the big house. Do you mean Ankerton? Hmm. So was the other. Now, if it's for her, Panty, they call her, and she is a limb, you're right there. Well, I, I'm afraid she already has one. Oh, dear, dear. What a vexation. Still, never mind. What I always say is a kitty can't have too many raspberry cushions. I'll take it anyway. But then you have an almost word-for-word casting of the butler from Pyramids of Mars. So we have Barker, who is played by Michael Bilton. Yes. Um, also from To the Manor Born, wasn't he? He was. Uh, yeah, and he was also a naughty Basil in Waiting for God with Graham right. Crowden as well. At one point, he said he was carrying on shouting at me, and I added in my head, "He has the temper of the devil himself." <laughs> and I was just thinking it was so like the the piece from Pyramids of Mars. <laughs> yes, bless. It. It's worth just seeing, but Sheardy and um, Michael Bilton brilliant mm. in this. It was all spilt, the medicine, the thermos, the lot. It's a shocking mess, sir. He put some of his drink into the saucer for the cat, sir. The cat Carabas? Oh, yes, sir. But the cup and the flask and the medicine bottle was all overturned. We had to go at it with the carbolic. One thing that I really struggled with was the fact that they called the young girl Panty. (laughs) You can't call someone Panty, I'm sorry. And at one point, they were talking about spanking Panty. And then later, Agatha spanked Panty. And yes. that was oh, yes, the, bit... the spanking scene is really weird, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I know, again, of its time, but really, really weird. Yes, although she had ringworm, so hurrah. Yes. <laughs> so they hope they all got it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, there's this girl, basically, and she she's the daughter, is she the granddaughter of... Yeah, um, yeah. tiny yeah. psychopath. Yeah. Yes, but she's not Sociopath. a psychopath. She's just being ignored by everyone. Yeah. And scapegoated for everything, and she has to go around all by herself with a stupid bonnet on her head. Mm. And she's got ringworm. No one talks to her. They are rude to her all the time. Mm. She's if she's not disturbed, she should be, given how they treat her. So it's kind of all a bit awkward. The panty stuff, in my opinion. The panty stuff uh, is always awkward <laughs> yeah. in your life. <laughs> you must be panty. 
because that's what's written there. Who was Carabas? Was he your kitten? He wasn't a kitten, he was a cat. He was Noddy's cat. Only he loved me better than Noddy. He loved me better than anyone. I was his friend. <laughs> I can't believe she's called Panty either. It's just so funny. Mm. But what I didn't know about Panty, Panty, as she's called... Panty, Panty. <laughs> Panty, is that she's actually become a successful actress. Oh, right. Well, there we yes. go. Yes. Well, I, I say successful. She's done some episodes of Doctors. Oh, <laughs> no. Well, that's successful some. More than no. some, yeah. She's This is more than I've got. She's, done, she's, done, quite, she's done quite a lot of mm. different things. So it's just never worth She has moved on from, um, from yeah, she from being a child actress. Much like uh, uh, Dennis Waterman did. <laughs> yeah, OK. Um, so... <laughs> And Fraser <laughs> Hines. Yes. Name some more. Oh, Don't. and uh, Jane Asher. <laughs> there was a, quite a nice bit where they were trying to make out that Sonia was the murderer when clearly she wasn't. Yes. And they were trying to make out that she was cleverer than she was. And the kind of there was a nice feeling like, oh, is she a bit clever? Because there was one point where she was re- she she really put on her thing of like saying thrilled instead of thrilled. Yes. They should have got you to do it with your tooth. But. Yes. <laughs> but there's one Thrill- point. That's, that's thrilling of you. <laughs> Where she had to say... I'm, I'm getting more pertwee by the day. <laughs> <laughs> what was it she was trying to say? My peri, my peri, and then she said my drink. Oh, my aperitif, that was it. Ah. She was trying to say my peri, my peri, and she, she yeah. was too thick to know what it was, so she said my drink, which is kind of um, lazy comedy. But it kind of worked. It kind of suggested that she, she was a bit thick. But mm. I, I think she was brighter than she let on, mm. but she was still a bit dumb. Mm. Yeah? I knew it. He told you. Well, it serves me right. I thought I had one friend in this crazy gang. Just goes to show you what a fool I was. I suppose you must mean Sir Cedric Ancred. Sir Cedric, the baronet. Or should I say the baroness? That insect, that worm. God, he's worse than the bloody women. Well, I've got the laugh on him and the money. What's he got? Here. Let me tell you about him. Oh, special mention to James Green, as I live and breathe. Jimmy Green? Jimmy Green, who is the titular hostage in the first episode of Series 2 of Secret Army. The one who Natalie helps and he's in the prison. I thought you were. I thought you were going to ring a bell then. I thought you were going to say. Oh no, no, I don't know him, but I just like him. So who from this cast have you met? <laughs> I don't think I've met anyone. Ah, crikey, bell free. <laughs> I know. Seems unlikely, doesn't it? Not met any of the buggers. They've all hidden themselves from me. Mm. Rude. Well, well, you obviously need to do the Inspector Allen book. Of, I mean, of... I did see Michael Shear did a convention once, but I think anyone could say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, I suppose, because quite a few of the actors in it. I mean, because I mean, Patricia Garwood is was again was it No Place Like Home? So again, there's this sitcom thing going on. Yeah, there's a bit of that as well as the Marples. Yeah, mm. um, I did enjoy particularly the line "Coupe de Théâtre" rather than mm. "Coupe d'État." Mm. It was really a clever little bits like that. Mm. Um, but the solution was really lovely. The fact that. Um, there was the red herring of whether he'd mm. been embalmed and therefore whether they would find arsenic on him, but that was mm. a red herring. And it was really the thallium that mm. had that had been used to kill him and how that was done. And, and him and Fox were right onto that, weren't mm. they? Um, 
Alan and Fox. They were a good team. I liked the way they solved it. The way uh, Alan and Fox work together, it's very much, in both of these, but in actually the series, it becomes, right, I think we've got enough evidence now. You know, they actually they process it and they actually work it out and say, well, right, we can't do anything until we know everything. And but once they've, I mean, there's there's again there's a scene back in in the first one where he actually does the acid test literally on the mm. uh, on the clothing on the coat, himself. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. send it off to forensics. He says, right, I'll do a bit of science here. And I think yeah. there's a similar thing with the thallium. You know, it's all, he does his own science. You know. Yeah, and it's because the, there's that sealing wax thing, isn't there? And the fragments of sealing wax. So, yes, so they which, actually work together, and it, so it's actually that, sort yeah. of forensics before forensics were a big yes. part of, of drama and those Ooh. kinds of dramas. You know? Liking your work there, Holmes. Good. Mm. There we are. We've done. Have we done? Have we done Final Care, Tom? Yes, I think so. I mean, it's it's a take on this series because it tries it tries to be charming and it tries to be comedic, but it also yeah. manages. It, it, it's a very good balance this this particular episode it, it it still has the sense of threat and it still has the sense of drama i mean and and the resolution is interestingly played and it has a little bit of that i mean i suppose if you watch a lot of these things it might not feel that different but there's a, there's a sudden race against time to stop the crime happening and it's not the crime you think it is it's a different person that's it's a one so it's a bait and switch on there which is quite nice so it's, and it's all nicely structured i i do think that again as i said right at the top of this one it it feels like it's finally hit its stride this series yeah it's, it's finally they've finally worked out how to do it and um malahide Malahide, you say he's a lot better in this, but oh, why? Yeah. Why did? Why did you think that you weren't going to enjoy him? Honestly, just because the bloody publicity at the time, it's just lots of men in suits looking dull. Mm. I mean, he's not an ex- an attractive man. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's not ugly, but he's just very plain looking. Mm. But he had such a twinkle when he acted, and his voice mm. was good, and he had good mm. levels of tone. You could see why he was a successful actor. Mm. He really engaged with the material, and by the end mm. of final curtain i was completely on board i was like yeah he is inspector allen and i'm very happy to spend more time in his company good old troy she held the key without knowing it someone sir henry told her had been tampering with his papers now, what if those papers happened to be the rough drafts of the two wills and if so who was more likely to see them than Milliman Tancred? The other interesting thing I find, uh, certainly with um, the series version, is yeah. they all have that two-part structure to them. Hmm. They actually feel like they could be split into two 50-minute episodes, like the um, the Marple, uh, Miss yeah. Marples were. It's almost like they they plotted it, so there is a kind of natural break at the 50-minute mark. It, it's structured in as... And I just wonder whether it might have worked better as two 50-minute episodes rather than one hour 40 film yeah. if you see what yeah. I mean. there's a and bit it, of that going on i also yeah. think that I, again i don't know how many books about alan uh Nio marsh wrote but they it does seem to be getting more and more desperate for there to be reasons for troy to be around <laughs> oh really you see i don't know the situation <laughs> to, in, so sort of, to inveigle her in the plot i don't actually yes. think she's in i think in one of the film the earlier film she's not even in it to be honest oh. but but it does i think so i can't remember now i, I, I mm. vaguely remember her not being in one of them but um but it's just that it's like um hold on a minute you've got to because i mean she's a main character so she has to play a main part so she has to be there to do the portrait 
you know it's so yeah. basically it's kind of like if agatha troy is invited to your house to do a painting somebody's not going to make it through <laughs> yeah, the weekend. exactly it's exactly. it's it's uh what's the name jessica fletcher all yes it? totally I do think it kind of charming that um, George Galatio has bringing back all these different people who were his favourite murderers in Marple, mm. because elsewhere we've got Freddie Treves brought back, mm. who is is one of the murderers. You've got you know Ursula Howells, mm. Margaret Tyzak, who mm. of course is brilliant in um, Nemesis. So mm. I just, I'm kind of intrigued to see those episodes that mm. they're in, just because they are the brilliant yeah. and they're in Marple. Mm. Well, so, I mean, I I sort of do we you know it's not that we sort of thought oh this is rubbish we're not going back it's just that you know like it's like you've got so much else to watch you just sometimes and you know and there are only eight of sorry nine of them all together so it's kind of you know you do feel yeah eventually we'll see we'll give alan another go i would have been interested to see to know why simon williams couldn't do yeah i would want to know yeah as well yes maybe i should email lucy lucy fleming and ask her so wonderful Excellent. I've enjoyed going back to an old TV show with you. Uh, good, good to finally record again. Um, so I would see in about half a year then. Though. Yeah, in about that time. <laughs> so you're gadding about the universe again. I don't know. Yeah, you know it is. So, um, lives. I'll go back in the box. <laughs> yeah, if you could, and I'll check in. I'll range. check in to see whether you're alive in about four months. Oh, probably not by then, but we'll try. Thank you for listening to UK TV Drama Pod. We we are flattered that you do listen, and some of them, even, some people, even Martin, would you believe they say that we are in depth and and even have been described as rigorous, which I find rigorous. very, oh, well, very I surprising. I suspect, I suspect they may be revising their <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, I would recommend. Alan Mysteries to those people who like a good murder mystery, but perhaps skip the pilot. I don't think it's great. Go straight to Final Curtain, and I'll be checking out the one with Margaret Tyzak, Dead Water. Mm-hmm. Yes, until next time when we letter J. Gosh. Mm. Yes, I can't imagine you, what that's what going to be. What have you chosen? What have you chosen for us, Martin? Yeah, what, J- have you, what have you done to me? Oh, uh, yes, Jay's going to be. A, I mean, I can't bring myself to watch it. So yeah, it's uh, it's it, 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 it just because it's, it's I've got it, mate. I can't I can't spend a fortune. What do you think I made? I made a money. I have no income. <laughs> I bought this specially, the J. So we'll watch it. It'll be fine. We'll be we'll be very rude about it, or we'll find it marvelous. It'll probably yes. be marvelous because everything One of the two. marvelous, marvelous. All these, I mean, all these lovely people go to all this effort to make this television for us, and all we do, and we, we can't just sit here and slag it off. No, they're, no. they're doing their very best to bring they us are. something entertaining. In the past, in the past, for us. Okay. Until next time, I've been Andy, and I've been Martin. You take care. Goodbye. Bye.
Done. Done and dusted. Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Mark. Now you oh, shit, do it. Fell over. What the heck? <laughs> it was a fucking box. It was a dog last time. This time it's a box. Do you uh, design at all for the theatre?